occurred. There's no way that time is right. Cause I'd originally <laughs> set a goal for 27 minutes and I was thinking there's no way I swam oh, wow. sub 24, you know, on Jeez. this race. Anyway, later at the end of the race, I looked at the results and realized that I had swam a, a 23.45. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Trey St. John and uh, we've been working together for the last, um, last couple of months in the lead up to uh, an Xterra event that you recently did. And you've had some pretty good improvements over the last few months with your swimming. So I wanted to get you on the, uh, the podcast to talk about that today. And um, first of all, welcome. And uh, sure, can you, you give uh, the, the listeners a little bit of a, a background on your, on your swimming, on your racing and um, what's happened in the last few months? Sure. Yeah, not a problem. So um, I can give you kind of a little bit of background on some of this, but so mainly I worked a, a desk job probably for about the last 15 years or so. I really haven't done, uh, I wouldn't say anything structured or, you know, mainly it was like two days a week, if that running. And that was about the extent of the exercise. And then probably back in 2019, I had a friend who tried to convince me to do a triathlon with him. <laughs> So I started that process, um, started running a little more consistently, uh, started to work on some structured plans, but you know, for the, I guess the main part, I really only did uh, any kind of major exercise, biking, running, sports, things like that back in middle school and high school. So really going into college uh, and then most of my work career, I really have not been that involved, you know, heavily in a lot of sports. Um, same way, you know, going into uh, 2019 with my friend trying to convince me to do this triathlon, I decided that one of the things I really needed to do was to uh, also start swimming. Um, so just to kind of give you a little bit of background on my swimming, I really, you know, I knew how to swim, but beyond that swimming, even just in a, you know, 25 meters in a pool was a challenge. So it was uh, easy to, get out of breath and, you know, feel uncomfortable. Um, but I probably swam maybe one time every two months or so, um, up until maybe a couple of months before the original event, which was going to be back in 2020, um, which obviously got canceled due to COVID at the last minute. It's about three weeks out and they canceled the event. So around that time, I'd done a couple of open water swims, uh, after doing some of the pool swimming, just trying to make sure that I could actually finish the race. And I would not have, <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> would have failed the, the open water swim part of it. Um, there's no question in my mind about that. So I realized that I was in trouble and that I really needed to do something, you know, big, make some big changes. Um, so of course my big change was starting to swim one time per week, which later proved to not be sufficient either. <laughs> and, uh, one of the biggest things I will say though, is that I ran across your feedback Friday videos. And so I really started to focus on the feedback Friday videos and trying to understand a little bit better about, you know, where some of my, uh, areas were that I needed to improve on and swimming. And um, I made some pretty minor improvements, I feel like. Um, one of the big things I did too was video every single swim. And so that way I could kind of compare to what you were saying on the Feedback Friday videos versus you know, what I had on my footage. And so um, 
basically every day when I would ride, I had your videos on repeat, you know, and that was how, you know, on the trainer, that was how I would, you know, try to train myself on some things. But I really do feel like probably one of the, the big things that helped me um, leading up to the last couple of months, probably starting in January before the race this year, was uh, I had a recommendation from a friend to do bands, like dry land exercises. And so I did a lot of bands, a lot of strength work, um, just trying to build up my ability to, you know, not only have a little bit more mobility, but also on the strength side. And I actually started doing that between five and six days per week. And I was only swimming one day a week um, up until January of this year. And then I started swimming three days a week, three to four days a week, starting in January. Um, because even though before that I was swimming in one of my friend's pools, it was only a 10 meter pool. And in November it got down to, let's see, I guess, uh, about 13 degrees Celsius. And so that yeah, was a little cold. bit chilly for me. So I actually stopped swimming from November to January. And then in January, I joined a local YMCA and started swimming in one of their pools. It's a 25 yard pool. Um, so I was swimming, like I said, three to four days per week. Um, I got to where, so in January, I was swimming somewhere around a 212 per 100 meter pace. Um, if, I don't know that I could have finished a 1500, you know, 1.5K swim, even in January. And so, but I do feel like the fitness was there, just I didn't have enough of the um, structure and uh, technique to be efficient. You know, a lot of it, I think even, finding out from you, some of it was kicking and, um, some stroke related things as well. So anyway, starting from January through about the time that I hooked up with you on the training, I made some improvements, but it just really wasn't fast enough for the goals that I wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, I really wanted to qualify. That was one of the big pushes. I knew I could do it based on my bike and my run times, but I just knew my swimming was awful. <laughs> and, um, so I feel like I had a lot of the fitness in place from doing the bands, especially so many days a week, but I just didn't have any of the experience or the technique. Um, interestingly enough, from watching your Feedback Friday videos, I felt like I had a really good idea of what I needed to change. But then after working with you directly in the, the coaching side of it, I realized that there were actually some simple things that you were focused on. They were very different from what I was trying to focus on. Um, and I, can I feel can like I ask what they, the, what they were, the, the, you, the things that you sure. thought coming into working together that you should work on or at least um, straight away. I'm sure that some of the things really are issues that I probably will need to address that you and I will find out soon. Um, but I think to the way that you lay it out, it's just very simple, right? It's very specific on something very specific and simple that I need to focus on. So one of them being that uh, I don't have enough mobility in my feet. And so I'm kicking or I was kicking extremely hard. And uh, interestingly enough, I did a, a kick set to determine that I had zero forward propulsion from kicking. So the harder <laughs> I kick, the only thing I'm doing is wasting energy, <laughs> you know? And so it was interesting to hear some of your videos and to learn from you about really it was more about balance and maintaining that streamline as opposed to trying to kick hard and get that forward progression. Um, Cause mm -hmm. one of the other big things I was doing is I was bending my knees real heavily, you know, bending big time, almost 90 degrees at the knee. 
And I noticed one day in one of my videos that when I did that, I actually stopped 100% on my forward momentum when I bent that knee <laughs> like that. And so it's like I'm swimming at a decent pace. I'd bend my knee at 90 degrees and I'd stop. And then I'd go to kick and I'd start moving forward again. And I'm sitting here thinking, why am I even kicking? <laughs> you know? um, so just some interesting things that I was able to you know, find out on that. But yeah, I, I do feel like probably the two to three months leading up to the race, when you were really focused on some of my breathing and my arm dropping and, you know, some of the real specific, um, I guess, easy, but technique related things, I started to see much larger improvements. So uh, while I was at 212 per hundred in January, I think I got down to somewhere around uh, like 147, 148, somewhere in there, um, closer to around the time that, you know, you and I started doing the, the coaching. And then for the race, uh, let's see, what would that convert to for the, the speed that I was swimming? It was a... So it was like right around a 136 per 100. So mm. that means I probably shaved another, what's that, 10 to 12 seconds per 100 off just in two months with some of the changes that you had me, me make right before. So, but, you know, I will be honest. So going into the race, I was a little bit concerned. Um, I still felt like, you know, you and I had been talking about some of my breathing and my stroke, and I felt like in open water that I don't know if I wasn't relaxed 100%, but I would go, I'd get to the point where my heart rate would really skyrocket, and I would start to not breathe properly. I think what I was probably doing is trying to push my head up too high, and I was sinking, trying to push with my arm, and so then I would choke on the race you're talking about. Yeah, or even doing some yeah. of the open water swimming, yeah, before the race. Yes. And so probably the two or three times doing open water swimming before the actual race, I would choke on some of the water. And I know I sent you a message about that, you know, which was one of my biggest concerns. Hey, am I going to get in the middle of this race, think that I'm moving at a pace that I want to move at, and then have a major problem of some sort like that where, you know, potentially it impacts me or maybe not even finish the swim. So. Anyway, so you and I went through some of the things you thought I should change. Then the Wednesday before the race, I had the opportunity to swim with an ex-pro up there in the lake that we were going to do the race in. And I felt pretty good. You know, everything. Uh, I worked on some of the sighting techniques that you told me about. I worked on some of the breathing techniques you told me about. And I felt pretty good about it. Um, after the swim, I, I thought it was kind of funny, but I was swimming at a much faster pace than I thought I was swimming. <laughs> at the time that I was following the pro. Um, but anyway, it made me feel a lot better about the race. So morning of the race, or really actually on Wednesday, that same day they said or made a change to the race and they said it was going to be a time trial as opposed to a mass start. And so uh, that was unexpected. We thought it might happen just because of COVID regulations. Um, but at the last second they changed it. So uh, I made the decision that since I wanted to be or have less people to pass on the bike that I was going to try to be the first person in the water, whether that was a smart decision or not, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know that there were several people that, you know, ran me over after I first jumped in the water, 
Um, but I do feel like it, it gave me a better position, but nonetheless, so that morning I did line up and I got to be the first person in the water. So one of the things I did right before the race was I used a different pair of goggles that I was having problems sighting because on the one stretch, it was about 750 meters from buoy to buoy. And so I was having problems sighting and being able to see all the way down to the far buoy. So I last second switched my goggles as to which ones I was going to use during the race. So anyway, so I line up, I'm first person ready to go on the water thinking I'm a fool <laughs> for wanting to be the first person in. And so I go to jump in. The first thing that happened was my goggles fell off. So of course I had to stop, put my goggles back on, took off again, realized after about four or five strokes that they were still full of water. So I had to dump the water out of them again, finally got them clean and I was swimming and probably within about 15 seconds or so, I had three different swimmers go completely over the top of me. Um, <laughs> so of course that was a little unsettling, you know, just never having done an open water swim like that in a race. Um, but probably I would say about 200 meters in or so is about when I finally convinced myself to calm down and focus on the techniques that you and I had been working on, you know, everything I'd trained on in the pool, all the open water training. And I finally got my heart rate to stabilize and everything went really well from that part forward. Um, I really felt like I was, you know, doing a lot of the things you and I had talked about as far as high elbow and, you know, just trying to make sure I'm not looking at the sky that I'm looking horizontally across the water when I'm breathing and not dropping my arm too much and all that. And so I was just really hyper-focused on a lot of the technique the whole time I was swimming, you know, and I remember one of the only other things that really came up was just thinking how long the swim was, even though it's the shortest part of the triathlon, <laughs> you know, it just seemed like it was forever, but um, nonetheless, I made it to the end and jumped up on the bank and took off towards transition and never looked at my watch. And as soon as I ran into transition, I looked at my watch and it said just over 24 minutes. And I remember thinking, what did I mess up? How did I, did I not start my watch at the right time? Or there's no way that time is right. Cause I'd originally <laughs> set a goal for 27 minutes. And I was thinking, there's no way I swam oh, wow. sub 24, you know, on Jeez. this race. Anyway, later at the end of the race, I looked at the results and realized that I had swam a, a 2345. So I was blown away. That's unreal. You know, I was able to do that. So, but I do, you know, I would, certainly say, you know, probably the three big things that I would attribute to that would be one, the consistency, right? So starting in January, swimming consistently three to four times a week. Um, I was swimming my pools and yards, but I was swimming in the neighborhood of 3000 yards. Every time I swam, I started using some of your structured training. So my swimming was a lot more structured as far as what I was doing instead of just aimlessly swimming around. Um, but the uh, outside of the consistency and, and the structured training, another you know big piece of that was that um, I was able to do the strength training with the bands and focus on technique while doing that. And so I felt like I had a lot of the strength that I would need in the appropriate muscles to be able to swim. I just didn't have the technique. You know, I didn't have the experience and balance and everything that people who've been swimming a lot longer would potentially have. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like that was another, you know, really big thing that um, helped me. Um, and then of course I'd say a coach, 
<laughs> just because, you know, having you being able to look at some of the things that I wouldn't identify um, on my own, I feel like really made a big difference too, just because, you know, I had a, a second set of eyes and somebody who was experienced, you know, which I will admit I was very hesitant at first to use the service just because you are, you know, outside of my area. I wanted to try to find somebody locally, but I couldn't find anybody locally and, you know, I really needed to do something. And so after I signed up for your service, one of the main reasons why I did it was just because you have worked with so many triathletes and because you have worked with so many people that are in a similar situation, right? A, a late adult onset swimmer, as opposed to somebody who's been swimming their entire life. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like, you know, combining all those things together, I feel like that, you know, between the consistency, the strength work and having the coach, I feel like really made a big difference. Yeah, oh, there's so much there that you've uh, that you've mentioned that I uh, I want to go into, and I think for your first ever open water swim race and, and triathlon, that is um, that's really impressive. And like it's, uh, I find the first time you do anything, there's so much that you learn, you take away that you can Absolutely. apply next time, which which yeah. um, which you've you've obviously gotten. Um, you know, it's like with the wearing a new pair of goggles that you've never worn before, um, like that. Yeah, that was so frustrating. Like, yeah, <laughs> I knew that's, better, but you know, <laughs> just yeah, look, I've, I've made the same mistake um, yeah. before too. Where it's just like, you know, you're in the race, you're in the, well, you're about to race, you're in the zone. It's just like I need to. Um, um, you just kind of in a bit of a rush, and so um, look, I've made yeah. that same mistake too before. But um, there's yeah, there's a, there's a lot there, and I think um, for, to go from two twelve to one thirty six for the race is really impressive, and we've seen your times are going really nicely in training. They're continuing to. Um, to come down, which is which is great, and um, you've mentioned as as part of your goal, the next like the the big goal would be can you get your swim under twenty minutes? And it's for me, it seems like there's there's absolutely um, the there's you're able to to work towards that because there's so much um, potential there because you're so new to it and um, and you've had such a big jump already. So it's um I, I've like I, I I can't think of too many people that have done as well as you have in such a short amount of time um, but as you said those um, the consistent training helps three four times a week doing the distance that you're doing like that makes such a, a difference just that alone the bands are great and you're talking about using a theraband to work on some of these like the catch and and that sort of thing is that what you're referring to um so actually it's uh kind of a variation of how some people use the bands these bands are actually attached to a door frame and uh talked to a guy who actually took uh, paddles and connected the paddles to the bands. So I actually put my hands in the paddles and then actually focus on doing the catch. And, uh, you know, really I stretch them far enough to where it's under a huge load. So it's almost like doing real high speed sets with paddles on in a, a pool, but mm -hmm. you can do it at a slower pace under tension and focus on a lot of the technique while you're doing it. So I feel like I was able to build a lot of strength by doing that. Yeah, that's, that's good. And I think if you have know, someone listening, um, that kind of stuff can help so much because if you, if, sometimes it's hard to get this stuff right in the water. And if you can't get it right out of the water, then it's probably not going to happen in the water. So something like working on your catch and developing that strength with the, the paddles, like it's, takes you 10 minutes you just you can do those exercises at home yeah. you don't need to get your bathers on you don't need to go to the pool it's um it's easy to do so it's it's i think that's um like because if someone you know if someone was to watch your videos and look at your catch they wouldn't say you've 
really been swinging properly since since January. Um, it's 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 really good, and I mean, I think it's your right arm that's like it, the catch is looking um, excellent, and then on the left arm it goes a little bit deep and straight because we're working on not over rotating, but um, it's it's really impressive. So for someone listening, like doing some either therabands or with the paddles, and and practicing that high elbow position is um, is really really worthwhile doing and um i've got this five minute theraband warm-up i don't know if you've seen that in the inside the membership but it's um it's like a five minute warm-up that goes through internal external rotations reverse flies and that movement with the catch and if you get that movement with the catch right out of the water and you start to train it it's um it, it, it's very helpful and one of the things that i i learned from a, a previous guest on the podcast he works with um with people who have been through a stroke and he he says that um one of the ways that you can enhance the um, like, like the uptake of of a new motor pattern is to either do things faster, so that like the faster you do something, the the more the I think like the neurons sort of switch on and allows you to develop that motor pattern, or under a bigger load. And so there you're talking about you know you're putting a bit of uh, power through it to an extra load. So yeah, it's those two things that can help um, speed up the process of learning this new movement. So um, it was just interesting to hear you hear you say that sure. and um and i start actually a little bit closer to the door and get the warm-up in just to make sure i don't hurt myself you know yeah. pulling with a lot of tension and then i'll take a step back and do a little bit more and then eventually step back until i feel like i'm under a load that you know is uh, the way i equate it is in my triathlon training a lot of times they say lower reps higher weight just because you build a lot you know better connective tissues and tendons and uh injury resistance and so it's kind of working up, you know, obviously I didn't start by going back as far as I could to pull in as hard as I can on the band. <laughs> Otherwise I wouldn't have been swimming during the race, um, no, that's right. you know, but just building up to it and eventually getting to where I could put it under a lot of load. So it is interesting to hear you say that, you know, that that, that can help. Yeah, absolutely. And for you, um, when you first, when you first joined and you said you're hesitant to join just because you wanted someone locally to work with, uh, when I first started coaching online, doing analysis online, <laughs> my initial thought was, I don't know if this is going to work, whether people can actually improve by sending in videos regularly and me providing the feedback, but I'm going to just try it. And hopefully it is, it does work because my only experience was working with people face to face at clinics and that sort of thing. But I actually found that it's in, in many cases working in the way that we were working, where you'd send a video once a week or every fortnight and, um, and I'd give you something simple to work on. This sort of process actually works better for a lot of people because they get, the, they get to go back, they're in, in their own pool, they're training, and there's no distractions. There's not a coach standing over them looking at every single stroke. So they tend to relax a bit more and then they keep that, that focus very simple. And so that way I've actually found the results to often be a lot um, more effective because it's over a longer term. But it's also, um, yeah, it just gives the swimmer a lot more sort of um, time and space to be able to implement the changes. How did you find that process of doing this online as opposed to in person? Um, so, like I said, I was actually looking for somebody locally. I couldn't find somebody that um, I felt like was going to allow me to meet the goals that I was trying to meet. So, interestingly enough, I was actually looking for that exact same thing locally where I could just send my videos to friends or different people who could analyze some of it and tell me. So anyway, when I started looking at your membership, I thought, 
well, why not, right? What's the difference? What's the difference in me sending the video to people here versus anywhere else? So yeah, I thought it was great, you know, just because being able to send it to you, like I said, I get some good, simple feedback. It wasn't, you know, check out these 10 different things and work on all this at once. It was more of a, yes, I understand there's more to unpack and more that we need to work on, but this is the number one biggest opportunity or focus right now. So focus on this. So it was great because then I would take that, I'd add it to my card for what I was going to do at the pool for the next week. And I would incorporate that into a lot of times my warm up, and then try to also focus on it towards the end of my swimming. Um, I mean, not that I wasn't focused on it the whole time. I would just use more focus towards the end, especially when I was fatigued to really pay attention to that technique and, you know, doing things like you were saying, don't make sure you're not looking at the ceiling, make sure you're looking um, across the, basically I try to look at the lane rope instead of looking at the ceiling when I'm breathing. And that's how I knew that I wasn't over rotating, um, when that was one of the big things that we were looking at. And, uh, for you as well, uh, since, um, since we started, what's your, what's your awareness in the water been like compared to say back in January? So when you, when you're swimming, do you feel like you're much more, more aware of when things are right and when they're wrong and how's that changed for you? Yeah, no, I, I certainly do. Um, I will say, and I'm sure a lot of people feel this every now and then I'll swim that one interval that's significantly faster. And you want to go back and look at the video and try to determine exactly what you did differently. And most of the time there's no difference. It's the same stroke rate. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> I say there's no difference, but I'm sure if you looked at it, there's some small little change. But that's a lot of what I found, you know, working with you, especially over the last two or three months is that while I don't see a big change or I don't notice anything large, a lot of times it's just the small little things that, you know, sometimes you have to over-exaggerate it a little bit, but for the most part, some small little changes can actually make a huge difference in the times. Mm. Um, I'm really starting to see that now, even after the race, you know, the last week, you know, making just some small changes based on some things that we've talked about that I'm really focusing on more now, just because I'm not hyper-focused on open water swimming and doing, you know, trying to prepare for the race. So, yeah, uh, that's interesting. Um, a recent um, guest I had on was um, Chung Wan and he, he had a similar improvement um, with, with working together. And that was one of the things he mentioned was that he'd look at his videos, but he couldn't really see that difference uh, because they're so they're really minor oftentimes, but um, when you slow it down enough and you, and you sort of know what to look for, like it's there, they're there. And it's these little, it's 1%, 2% changes over the time, uh, you know, over months that, that really start to add up. And um, one of the things I, I wanted to say as well is a thing that you, um, that I, I think was so beneficial that you did was going to the open water, practicing that, practicing the sighting before the race. Um, I've had a few a few swimmers recently just ask me, all right, I've got races coming up because they're they're all starting in the states and it's coming into summer. So um, yeah, what what should I do beforehand? And I think um, a couple of good things can be if you can't get to the open water, do some make sure you practice your sighting in the maybe in your main set. Just maybe look up twice a lap and get used to that. Maybe wear a wetsuit for a couple of sessions as well, just to get used to that because it's going to feel a little bit different. Um, then without but the best thing you can do is just get in the open water if you have that chance and if you have the chance to swim with other people you might practice swimming close to each other maybe drafting and um, just get familiar with that that again because it's been a long time out for so many people that um, that you know you just want to you want to go in prepared 
and um, nothing beats the real thing because I feel like open water is like that. It's like the fifth stroke. You've got fly back, breast and free and open water is that fifth stroke. It's, it can feel quite different in there. So getting that, um, that experience beforehand is, is helpful. Sure. And um, did, you, did you feel like, well, confidence-wise, it obviously helped, but did you feel like it helped you on race day as well, just with the, the stroke um, and getting used to it? I do, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of laughing when you're talking about practicing and getting prepared in the open water just because looking at some of my first GPS tracks, for some of the first open water swims, preparing probably a month before the race, I'm all over the place, you know, zigzagging. I'm obviously not sighting, but once every 20 strokes or something like that, I can tell that I was all over the place. And so the more that, you know, you and I were talking about sighting and the more that I actually got to practice it, the straighter I was able to swim. And that's actually one thing I noticed during the race um, is in that longest leg, that 750 meter leg between the two buoys. At one point, I felt like I was way off to the left of the main pack, the main group of people. And I couldn't figure out why. And then I realized it's because everybody was following each other rather than sighting looking mm. at the buoy. So there were about 25 people off to the right. And one guy was actually way off, almost swimming on the bank. And when I looked up, I was actually in line with the faster pack ahead of me. But there was this whole group of people, like 20, 25 people off to the right that were just following each other and they weren't sighting. You know, so to your point, actually being able to get out there and focus on that sighting and, and pay attention to swimming straight. Um, one other thing I did is before the race, too, because I didn't have an opportunity to get in open water as much as I wanted to, is I would actually close my eyes when I was swimming in the pool. I would only open them when I went to go for a breath or to sight. And so at least that way I could just really focus on paying attention to, you know, pretending like I was sighting off in the distance. Um, I felt like that kind of helped because you don't realize how much you stare at the line on the bottom of the pool to swim straight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly right. And um, that's, uh, someone was um, asked me this this morning in the membership about um, like they're having trouble with their sighting and um, you know, what, what should they do? And I said, I said, all right, let's start, let's practice it in training leading up to this, uh, this race this weekend. Um, but if the main thing is like, you're better off swimming straight and sighting more regularly than sighting every 20 strokes and veering off course, because if you swim 10% further, let's say in your 1500 meter race, you swim 150 meters more that extra 10%. If you're swimming at two minute pace, that's 12 seconds per hundred extra that it's going to take you basically. So all right, you're a two minutes from that. Well, you're swimming two twelves essentially because of the, the extra distance that you're doing. So if you can get just comfortable with your sighting and you can sight with that, that sight and breathe method where you don't look up too high, you just kind of go crocodile eyes and you turn the head to the side after the breathe, you can just really make it a part of your stroke where your rhythm and your balance isn't affected. And that way you can, as I, th I think I was reading your comments, like laser, like you cut it like a laser. It's, you can be so straight with, um, with your course and you can really just, save so much time that way and um sure. it sounded like that's that's exactly what happened which look you're probably the first person in the world to um to do that on their first open water swim uh, <laughs> but i guess it's that that's it's the practice that, uh, that helped you do it sure maybe it was luck i guess we'll find out in september <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> uh well uh, i appreciate you're you um, jumping on the, the, sure yeah appreciate you jumping on it's um it's been great to um hear a bit more about your um, your story and, and where you've got to now and I'm looking forward to, um, to the next couple of months and just seeing what we can bring the, the times down to because um, yeah it's just it's on this really great trajectory and there's still a lot of stuff that we can obviously do in the in the stroke which we're seeing 
and um, that's that's exciting. So thanks very much for being on, and uh, yeah, look forward to continue working with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, look forward to hitting that twenty minute mark. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Trey. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.